Thanks for tuning in to Why Life Science, a podcast produced by the BYU Life Science Museum at Brigham Young University. I'm Katie Knight. And I'm Austin Lambert. Our mission here at the Life Science Museum is to inspire wonder, understanding, and reverence for our evolving planet. So with this podcast, we are here to bring you stories and interviews about life science research and projects going on in the College of Life Sciences at BYU and in the local community. Visit our website, lsm.byu.edu, for more information and to access notes from each episode. All right, well, welcome to the Why Life Science podcast. Today we're having a guest on that we've had on our podcast before, uh, Dr. Steve Peck, and two of his students, Courtney Roos and Sarah Evans. We're excited to have you guys on. And, and today we're talking about a project that you've been working on, Steve. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this? I mean, it's an, it's another podcast, yeah. so we're, we're not getting too meta, a podcast in a <laughs> podcast, but... Uh, What's this project that you've been working on? So this is a podcast called Winging It, From Curiosity to a Scientific Fact. And the basic idea that um, I, I started with was I saw that the way that a lot of students are introduced to science, it starts when science is already fairly advanced along the way. So a professor has been doing research for perhaps a number of years and students come and, and do a piece of that. They learn from that. And that's important. That's a great opportunity. And a lot of times students work in a lab and, and make genuine contributions. This is a little bit different because for me, the part of science that I've grown to love the most is the initial stages where you're just looking at the world with curiosity what questions are being offered by the world and the things that I see, the things that I hear, and what am I learning from that? I have been really lucky with the the students that I found. Uh, Sarah and Courtney have just been fantastic. From the very beginning, we started in midwinter, looking up Rock Canyon, looking at chuckers and and towns and solitaires and all kinds of things. And and we've been continuing to do that. We've been thinking about soundscapes and noise and how sounds affect birds and all this kind of neat questions. We're just right now looking at things and listening and trying to see the way the world works. The long-term part of this is that we're going to take what we learn that way and turn it into a scientific paper. So we, we want to see the, the entire process of science from initial questions to it becoming published in the scientific literature. So it's, it's a fun podcast. I, I'm, I'm in the back of my mind, we're replicating Darwin. His voyage around the world on the Beagle became the impetus for his realizing that he wanted to approach what are species, how do they evolve. And the whole time he's on the journey, he's looking, he's curious, he's asking questions. Because for me, and I had an advisor tell me this, and it was probably the most profound thing my PhD advisor said. He said, answers are the easy part of science. The hard part is finding the questions. And I really believe that. I think the questions are vital. And in fact, once you're to the point of answers, usually you've generated about 10 more questions. And that's the best part of that. That's absolutely the, the part of science that interests me. So that's the, that's the project overview. And 
I think my students will have a better perspective on what we're doing. And <laughs> so Courtney and Sarah, what I guess is your background and, and I guess, how did you end up getting involved in this, this project? So I'm a senior in biology and I got involved in this project because I had Dr. Peck for a bioethics class, actually. And after that class, I was just really interested in what he was doing and researching. And so I like contacted him um, in his office and was like, hey, you know, what are you doing? And he told me that he was doing birdsong research. And I was like, that sounds like the coolest thing in the world because I love (laughs) birds. They're like my favorite things. I don't know. There's some of my favorite parts of nature and the world. And so I was just really excited to get involved with birds and also bird song because I'm in the marching band. I'm in like a lot of musical things. And so I was excited about um, specifically the songs and sounds that birds make. So that's why I'm here. So it was like the perfect fit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And what about you, Courtney? So I'm also a senior um, studying biodiversity and conservation. Um, And I took an ornithology class uh, my second semester here. And I went into it like, oh, birds are cool. Like, it'll be fun to learn about them. And I came out of it like, if I could study these my entire life, I would die happy. Like, I just (laughs) fell in love with birds. And so as I was just looking for um, a mentored research group to join, um, wasn't having much success. And then I saw Dr. Peck's like page and I was like, Oh, this sounds perfect. So (laughs) I, um, went in and yeah, heard about it and same, it just sounded so cool. And I think sound is something that a lot of people just don't notice or, I mean, for a number of reasons, it's just maybe something you don't pick up on or just the fact that us as people, there's just usually so much going on that we don't hear or notice the thin like sounds of nature um because we make so much noise um so yeah it's been really really interesting and i've loved it so as you were then introduced to this this project how was it described to you were you told like oh you're going to be on a podcast and we're going to be up in rock canyon or i guess what was that initial like introduction of the project goals and and how you might be involved a lot of it was like up in the air at first and we kind of like decided together how we were going to go about um, doing this project. Um, I can't remember if it was a podcast from the beginning, but that was definitely one of the first things that we decided. And then um, Dr. Peck was talking about towns and solitaires up in Rock Canyon. And so then we started doing things in Rock Canyon and then, you know, we found chuckers up in Rock Canyon. And so we started doing interesting things with those. And so it's just kind of evolved as we've been doing it over time. So, yeah, which is the scientific process, which is awesome. (laughs) Um, I joined a bit later. So when I came in, it was already a podcast, but I loved the way Dr. Peck described it was, yeah, starting off with this paper, we want a podcast that goes on each step of the scientific process pretty much, which I think is so beneficial for like a young scientist to listen to, or just anyone vaguely interested in, going into it themselves because it is, it can be so daunting to be like, Oh, I'm supposed to choose like some big, um, I don't know, project for like graduate school or something like that. But actually going back to like stage one and having, um, the podcast as our medium to just record every step of the way. has been great. 
So did either of you have experience like forming scientific questions before, or was this a totally brand new experience getting into the, the scientific method? <laughs> Not really. You have like your bio 100 years starting biology classes where it, you know, you learn about like the scientific method and, but not really. I feel like the most recent experience I had was like doing science fair in high school, <laughs> like yep. coming with my own, you know, scientific experiments and doing them. But since then, I haven't really done that much. So, yeah, this has been a kind of a new thing for me. What did you learn as you were trying to come up with a good question that you could, you know, put yourself out there and start really trying to learn what's happening? I feel like something that I've learned is that we're all curious about a lot of things. And when we start to try to like tackle one question or focus on one question, it takes a lot of focus for us to do that. Cause we, we tend to like, we just get really excited about different things. And then we're like, okay, we need to focus down on like one thing. <laughs> so that's just been something I've learned. Um, I guess I've already said this before. I've just learned that people are loud. <laughs> we like try to yeah, go up Rock Canyon, which seems like pretty far up in nature. And I'm like, you just hear so much from the city or we have a recording where we're talking and then this helicopter flies over and our entire conversation is just drowned out. I think that I've learned about the challenges of gathering data and doing things just purely by audio, but it's been interesting. It's like, okay, what can we take from this? Yeah. And we're still drawing conclusions. I think we're still in the experimental stage of things. But. So for you, Steve as being the advisor for this kind of project. I mean, you mentioned sometimes even as a researcher, your questions just kind of build on last projects and, yeah. and you're kind of already halfway through the scientific method when a project is beginning. What has this been like for you from the advisor kind of standpoint? It has been so interesting. A, a lot of times when I've engaged for the first time in a, in a particular study, there is this initial startup. This one, being joined by students, though, I have to say my curiosity has just been enhanced. They ask questions that are fantastic and notice things that I, I don't notice. And for me, that's been the best part of this is I think the questions have been more profound. And this sounds odd, but I'm new to birds too. I've done insects most of my life. So I'm new to birds. And just the conversations that we've had, learning to use the equipment has been a challenge. You know, it's, there's all these new questions that I'd never thought about. Like, what do you do when you're initiating a study, when you're learning to use things like recording equipment and microphones and 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 lots of the the technicalities of recording sound and and then listening to the world has been just a kind of joy uh like like Courtney said I've never paid attention to noise like this and I'm getting a sense of what the birds are experiencing most birds and especially the ones we're studying are invested in this audio world. They use song to attract mates, to defend territories, to feed their chicks, to find food. I mean, sound is so huge in the avian world. It's just, it's been just a joy. 
The things that we learn are often surprising, especially just like about equipment. I mean, and Sarah can speak to this. When we went out in the freezing cold <laughs> to go up Rock Canyon, there were special challenges of staying warm. We learned we needed hand warmers to even, you know, manipulate the equipment as our fingers froze. <laughs> so for me, the thing that I've enjoyed the most is how the world presents new questions that I never thought about just by being out there and listening. And then my students ask great questions and that generates more questions. And we start to discuss and to think. And all of a sudden, we're learning things we never learned before. We, we often, um, before we do a podcast, we'll read a scientific paper together. And then we talk about that on the podcast and what we learned and how it applied to, to what we were seeing in the world. So I'll have to admit, I kind of am maybe having too much fun learning this way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that I could go back to the, to the old ways. This has just, mm-hmm. just been a blast. Well, so for you two as students, I guess, how has this kind of changed your view of the scientific process in your education? I mean, you're both in biology and, and conservation and biodiversity. I mean, how has this changed your outlook on, on what you maybe have already learned and, and what the rest of uh, your learning experience on life is, is really going to be like? I think for one thing, it has made me appreciate the scientific facts that we have more. For example, looking at the Krebs cycle, you have to be like, somebody was curious about that and they did all this research for it. And they went through all of these hoops and obstacles that we've been going through in our research and discovering different things about what we're researching and stuff. And so, yeah, it's just made me appreciate that more, like that every fact that we have has a whole story behind it. So I have come to appreciate just sitting still in one of my first experiences when Dr. Peck just told me and another research assistant, just go hike up Rock Canyon record what's happening and talk like while you're doing it about your observations. So we did that a few times. And then there was one day that we just found a really nice spot and we just sat there for like an hour. Like we just observed so much more just being still. And I think as a student and just as someone in the modern world, like when do we ever have time to like go out and just sit somewhere in nature? There was just such a value in doing that. So, um, It's kind of like a life lesson and something that I think would help with uh, future observations. Just like, okay, slow down. Like, look at what's going on. Yeah. And that's when the discovery happens. So as you're going up in Rock Canyon and making observations and and coming up with scientific questions, what did you as a group decide to study? And what, what questions did you first ask that led to what you're studying? And then tell us a little bit about, you know, how you're going about this and what you're looking at. Yeah, one thing we decided on was seeing if we could see the difference between biodiversity up in Rock Canyon and in other locations around Provo, even just like down the street from Rock Canyon. And so what we did most recently was we compared the biodiversity indices of Rock Canyon, like up by the stream, and the biodiversity index of one of our research assistants house, (laughs) which is just like down the street. And we, you know, discovered that there was a big difference between even just going up the mountain and just being on a residential road. 
So and what does that mean? Like when you're oh. taking a biodiversity uh-huh. kind of index, you said. So we set up microphones up in Rock Canyon that were able to record the dawn chorus and the dusk chorus. So basically the biodiversity index measures the number of different birds that there are in an area. And so you take a recording up in Rock Canyon and then you can run it through this software that basically tells you how many different birds there were in the area. And then when you compare it with somewhere else, then you can use that data to tell you about how biodiverse each area is. Another thing that we're looking at, I don't know if this is a spoiler, maybe a teaser <laughs> for an upcoming podcast. Or you got to say uh, it in a way that makes everyone want to listen to it. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> That's great. Well, in a world where there was birds. Um, <laughs> we know that around sunrise, or there's like the big dawn course. That's when a lot of birds are active and loud. So right now we've been recording um, the dawn course, just when birds get up and also at sunset which there's just not as much tune in later to see what we find. <laughs> so dr peck then where are you at now in the project i i've seen that there's three episodes of the podcast that have already been released is that yeah, right yeah where where are you at in the research project and i guess where further do you see this going so right now we're we're doing this recording just to get a sense of what's out there and how they use sound i think one of the directions that i think we'll end up taking and this is up to the students as well i I don't want to i don't want to coerce them into (laughs) studying things they don't want to study but (laughs) i think about sound as a aspect of the bird's living niche. What resources do they need? And when we think about niches in biology, we're often thinking about the resources of food, finding mates, finding nesting sites, and the material for making nests, and all of these kinds of things. But they also use the soundscape itself. And by soundscape, I mean just in general, the entire complete system of sound. It might include wind, and rain, and helicopters, and people, and other birds. And birds have to use that soundscape and partition it out. So a good example, um, song sparrows in San Francisco. People had noticed that the song sparrows there were singing a slightly different song. They changed both their pitch and their interval. And when COVID-19 happened... The traffic was reduced. People were staying home. There was way less noise. The ambient soundscape was much quieter. And the song sparrows started to revert back to the song that song sparrows sing everywhere else in the world. And so there's this this sense that they had to adjust their song they used to find mates and defend territories in ways that were completely influenced by human interference, by the sounds of traffic and by the noises of being in the inner city of San Francisco. And, and so birds really do have to partition out the soundscape so they're not singing over other birds or singing in competition with birds so that they're being heard. They, they have to get places where 
a lot of times particular vegetations will dampen their ability to sing so they'll get up on top of something to sing really loud and so the soundscape affects both their behavior and how they respond to the soundscape and i think in the long run it'll be interesting to follow uh, particular birds i've i've had my eye on towns in solitaire they're kind of fun because they're here all winter and so it makes a, a nice species to study for students who are here all winter, too. <laughs> but I think this idea of trying to sort out how birds use the soundscape and what adjustments they make in the presence of noise, because there's lots of anthropogenic noise that they have to deal with. And I've never been more aware of that than I am now. I can't walk across campus now without hearing leaf blowers. And I think, oh my gosh, <laughs> was this going on all the time? <laughs> it's, it's so noisy. So that's kind of where I'd like to take it, is to really get a better sense of how birds use the soundscape just for daily living, how they survive and things. And for Sarah and Courtney, what I guess then are some things that you're most looking forward to going forward with uh, this research and, and maybe what are some things that people would have to look forward to listening to future episodes of this Ooh. research podcast? Well, one of the things I'm most looking forward to is like sitting and listening to the birds around me. That was one thing we did when we were first starting the project. We were doing that a lot was like sitting and, and we still do that now, but um, like sitting and listening around and just like feeling and thinking about what I observe. It's just such a nice time to just kind of like focus on that one thing and just kind of slow down and let myself kind of engage with my own senses. And so that's something I'm looking forward to. And for the podcast, one thing I'm looking forward to, or one thing you can look forward to is a lot of us recently went out of state for the summer and we're talking about what we observed and heard and saw in our next podcast. So look forward cool. to that. Yeah. Not to spoil it. Yeah, we've got some good things coming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to like narrow down our focus and get into like the nitty gritty and specifics. It's fun as we kind of, as we're like, we take all this wide umbrella of information and then we kind of chip it down to see what we actually want to observe. And we did mention kayaking at some point. I don't know if that's still <laughs> yeah. happening. That could be yeah, fun. I think so. I think, I think that's the next step. I, I actually went out on a paddleboard a few weeks ago with some colleagues at Utah Lake and it was so interesting to see what we heard. There was still a lot of human noise, but we heard a lot of the birds coming in in the fall migration, and it was a lot of fun. I fell in, so. I, <laughs> twice? I, twice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's a lot of danger in this um, to, to your self-esteem. <laughs> Mentally. And we have talked about a few things with, like, aquatic environments like mm -hmm. how it would be interesting if we could get a microphone in water one slightly above the water and one like a bit away and see if we could have all those recordings at the same time and see if we can observe things if we have 
something with that capacity, like technological, that we can uh, get all those files going at the same time. But so that could be fun or birds around those areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're excited about that. Well, it sounds like there's a lot to figure out and there's a lot coming. And is there anything else that you guys think that we've missed that's important for people to know about your research project, your your involvement in it, or or future goals for your podcast? One thing I'd like to mention, and, and my students can, can talk about this as well, or other things, <laughs> and, and they've both mentioned it, the importance of sitting still and listening, that ability to go into nature and let nature speak to us, that gets lost a lot of times. We go into nature with agendas and with projects and things like that, or we're just hiking and there's a lot of evidence, a lot of scientific evidence that nature heals anxiety. It creates conditions that are just good for health in a lot of ways. And this was a side thing I didn't think about even doing. When I'm out there, when I'm listening, when I'm recording, there's a lot going on, but there's also a lot going on inside me that we don't really talk about the subjective experience of a soundscape in nature is fairly profound, I think. I think there's something really important about listening. And and I think about the way that, that so much human noise is going on in the world. It, it reflects our busyness, our lack of attention to our landscapes and soundscapes and all of these that come together to to make the world an enjoyable and important place, I think. Well, I think that's the perfect way to to wrap this up. And yeah, I mean, everyone should should take time first and foremost to to listen to the world around them. And and then when you're done listening to the world around you, take a chance to listen to uh, winging it from (laughs) curiosity to a scientific fact, as well as our podcast, the Why Life Science Podcast. And uh Thank you so much for for joining us and telling us a little bit about that project. Oh, thank you for having us. This has been a joy. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks.